0: Hey friend, I'm curious. Have you just recently gotten the phone call or the diagnosis or experienced the loss that has completely changed everything in your world? Are you currently sitting in the rubble of your life, seemingly falling apart and wondering where in the world do I go from here? I've been there. The days following my wife, Amanda's death left me reeling. Everything felt blurry and I didn't know what to even do as time continued on. But my life at that point, was at a screeching halt. We here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries want to equip you with the tools you need to navigate the unexpected and difficult days that follow any sort of trauma, tragedy, or major life transition. And this is why we're creating a new mini-course called When Everything Changes, Navigating the Early Days of Loss, Trauma, and Tragedy. We're hosting this mini-course live over four weeks for our Community Plus members only during the month of May, starting on Tuesday, May 2nd from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, each week, we're going to talk about the things you need to know when you are facing fresh pain or grief, like what you can expect in those early days, what you need most, how to lament, and where to go from here. After the four weeks, we will eventually have this course available for purchase or as a part of our Community Plus membership platform. Being a part of the Community Plus platform will give you the earliest access to this incredible course, and you'll hear from me, my fellow Nothing Is Wasted podcast host, Aubrey Sampson, and our Nothing Is Wasted community director, Amy Sylvester. Another benefit of being a part of the course live is that you'll be able to ask your questions in real time and hear from us. All you have to do to be a part of this course in May is join Community Plus at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash community plus. And don't forget, we offer a free seven-day trial to the Community Plus membership, which will give you access to this course, plus all the other offerings we have from curated pathways to masterclass replays and so much more. If you're already part of the Community Plus membership, just check your email for how to join live for this four-week live mini-course called When Everything Changes, Navigating the Early Days of Loss, Trauma, and Tragedy. I know it can be so difficult to know how to even exist when life takes a turn. How in the world am I going to wake up tomorrow morning and continue to live in the midst of this? Let us help you figure out how to take the next step in the early days of whatever you are going through.
1: Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson.
2: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Aubrey Sampson.
3: And I'm Eric Shoemaker, your guest host.
2: And we are joined today by Beth and Jeff McCord. Their episode you're going to love. They're Enneagram people, which I know the Enneagram is a little controversial for people, but we're just going to say Davey's a fan. I am a fan, and Eric, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're a you're an Enneagram person as well. Yeah, right?
3: uh, yeah, I'm a fan, and you know, I would say to people who are cautious about it. Um, Just give this a listen, even if you don't even ever use the Enneagram, because I think the wisdom they bring into this about knowing yourself is really beneficial.
2: Yeah, it's really spot on. So they have a book that came out last year called More Than Your Number." so you'll appreciate that, where they, they do talk about the Enneagram profile, but really talk about how we're more than just our main number. If you don't know the Enneagram, it's a series of nine numbers. It's basically a typology, a way to get to know yourself. And ultimately, kind of what they talk about is how getting to know how God created them has helped spur them on into healthy ministry, healthy family relationships, and, uh, you know, just been a really good resource. And from all of that, they're pouring out into us. So I know you're going to really appreciate looking at the Enneagram through the lens of the gospel and how it can be part of a kind of a tool for you. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and take a listen to Davy's conversation with Beth and Jeff McCord.
0: Oh my goodness, Beth and Jeff, it's so great to have you guys on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for
4: having hey, us. Hey, thanks for
0: inviting us. We really appreciate it. I don't think you understand. I remember tra- I was in an airport and I came across the Enneagram coach for the first time. <laughs> uh-huh. right? And it was somewhere, I don't know, somewhere back in the early in my grief journey. And I was just mm-hmm. enamored with everything that you guys were doing. And I'm like, man. So I started following and I've been wanting to have this conversation for years, years. So (laughs) no pressure whatsoever. No, no. man. I'm I'm not sure who we
3: are in your mind, but uh, I hope you're uh, okay with who we actually are. (laughs)
0: Oh man. No, even just a little bit of time, we've gotten to talk before we hit record. It's just such a sweet spirit coming from you guys. Mm -hmm. I I think I'm really interested in this because I love what you guys do. I love how it's helped me on my own journey. Um, Not Mm -hmm. just in grief, but also just in, in discipleship and sanctification. And mm-hmm. so Brilliant. why don't you do this? Why don't you tell us a little bit about just kind of give us a flyover, who you are, what you guys do, just in case any of our listeners aren't familiar with you.
5: Yeah. So we're Beth and Jeff McCord. Uh, we live outside of Nashville, Tennessee. We've got two grown kids now, um, but basically, what we do is we walk people through a gospel-centered approach to the enneagram, helping them to discover who they really are at a core level and why they do what they do. And the reason we do it from a gospel-centered perspective is because we we want them to realize you do struggle with shame, guilt, fear, self-condemnation. But the gospel helps us to move from that mindset to the mindset that we are unconditionally loved, free and forgiven through Christ. And So we want to learn how to navigate between those two worlds. Um, And one way that we can do that, there's lots of ways, right, that we can do that. One way we can do that is understanding why we do what we do based off our main personality type. And as we'll get into how our new book shows, that we have a lot of different types that are influencing us. But the biggest thing is how do we show up in life, whether it's from an unhealthy part of our heart or a healthier part of our heart. And so, we, what we're really doing is um, coaching, discipling, mentoring, whatever you want to call it, people yeah. in their journey and their walk to a richer, more meaningful life with Christ.
4: Wow. And I mean, on, on a very personal note, uh, we learned about the Enneagram in 2001. Uh, Beth and I were, had been married for three years, no, it's six years. Six years? Okay, six years. We had two...
5: Two little kiddos. One infant, one, one toddler. One-year-old, three-year-old. Mm-hmm.
4: And that's when a mentor of ours who had been in counseling, they um, had a child die at birth, and their therapist recommended uh, Richard Rohr's book on the Enneagram. Yeah. Uh, and I was at a conservative Presbyterian seminary, and so uh, Richard Rohr wasn't... Uh, prescribed writing for that school. I I imagine. Probably still not. (laughs) (laughs) We kept it quiet, but Beth really dove into it. And so um, we have never set, well we eventually did, but at that time we never set out to become Enneagram coaches and influencers.
5: It was the overflow
4: of Mm -hmm. our individual lives, our Mm -hmm. marriage, and how we parented. Yeah then started to bear fruit in mentoring couples uh, and mentoring individuals. And so well, then it just kind of, and then whenever things really started to pick up for the Enneagram,
5: yeah.
4: uh, it took off for us. So we're really stewarding uh, a gift, wow. a calling that the Lord's given us. and
5: Well, and now, I, I think to go back to the original part of when we... Um, found the Instagram. We did it. We got married when we were 20. <laughs> so yes. We didn't even, we grew up together basically.
4: I mean, you know? Our kids are young. Our daughter's married now, but they ask, I mean, like our son was thinking about getting married at 20. I'm like, how dare you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think you <laughs> it are? It seems different when it's your kids, doesn't it? And then you look back oh, and you're like totally different. Oh.
4: Yeah. I was totally mature. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah.
5: We thought we were. Oh, man, that was such a grimace
4: on your face. Because I know we both aren't. <laughs>
5: um but yeah so we got married we were 20 and we're best friends love doing life together and we're still best friends and love doing life together Mm. but there was turbulence like you know and we couldn't figure out why and where it's coming from um and we're still on that journey because we're still unpacking our story and i'm i've learned in the last year or so a lot of um different kind of little traumas that I had growing up that have affected me. So like, oh, well that plays into our story. But when we learned about the Enneagram, I as a type nine did not know myself well at all, you know, that we have this internal fog. And so it's really hard to grow in a relationship when your spouse is wanting to get to know you better and understand what these dynamics are. And you can't even explain, like you don't even know, um, And so the Enneagram basically started to wipe away the internal fog and make things more clear. Now, as a nine, there's still internal fog all the time. (laughs) Like that's a daily thing, but it gave vocabulary for us to understand one another, helped Jeff to know how to navigate this relationship with this type nine and vice versa me with the type six in a way that's more compassionate and empathetic and understanding. but I think the biggest thing that I'd like to say to those who are listening, I don't I don't know what others are thinking about different people on different platforms. They kind of look up to them and esteem them like, look, they've right. they've made it, they've arrived. <clears throat> Please just realize Jeff and I are still doing the work today.
4: We're like yeah. the president yeah. for Hair Club for Men. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm also a Not client. only am I a president, I'm also a client. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it.
5: So, everything uh, we do at YEC. Comes out of our own mm. work that we have oh, been doing and are continuing
4: to do. a discussion for our next book. And yeah. I mean, it, there are some great topics out there, but they don't, it's not in line with. Yeah, the,
5: I mean, you could talk about the Instagram with anything. Yeah, right. But we want right. it to come from a place that we've utilized it and we can guide people through that same journey oh, and same yeah. I, I love that. So
0: that's, that's like just a most, little
5: bit of background.
0: That's the most genuine approach, right? I mean, Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, oh, sure. really, you know, I speak at it from like a ministry perspective. I know you guys do too, right? Where right. in terms of the, the outward facing you shouldn't, although you see it happen a lot in ministry, the outward facing you should mm-hmm. not be, you know, incongruent with the inward, what's going on behind closed right. doors you. And so for you guys just say, hey, here's what we're just wrestling. Th- we're fellow strugglers yep. in this. We're kind of a guide yep. just a few steps ahead of you guys. And so don't take this as us preaching at you. Yeah. yeah,
5: Yeah. And and I think that's, that is an issue with the church as a whole, but I would definitely say the American culture is that, oh, well, if you're a Christian, you're a leader, you need to look a certain way or you need to have arrived at a certain level or, and there should be no more faults. But what we really want to show is, yeah, you know what? We're in this with you. We struggle. And here's, what we've learned.
0: Here's yeah.
5: what God's doing in our life. And just to be, you know, um, fellow journeys, you know, in right. this process with people. Right.
0: Jeff, you know, it's funny you brought up this interesting point. You're at this conservative Presbyterian seminary and Richard Rohr was not on the reading list by any means. <laughs> and you see that in evangelical Christianity and beyond, right? You see, that there are different circles in evangelical Christianity that, that really are accepting not even more than they're evangelistic about the Enneagram, right? Like yes. you start talking about some circles and it's like, whoa, this, and everybody gets excited about it and it becomes kind of these yeah. party conversations and stuff. And, you know, you're typing each other and you're telling each other, you know, what, what your type is and all this stuff. Yeah. But then you have other sectors of e- evangelical Christianity. that are very cynical about it. Right. And, you know, you, John Calvin even said in, in his introduction to institutes he said that without self-awareness there's no awareness of God right there's no true awareness right. or self-knowledge there's no true knowledge of okay. God I think is what he how he actually put it and so we see that it's important you guys are obviously entrenched and it's important but what would you say to maybe the believer who's listening to this right now and be like oh, I've kind of been really kept that at bay because it feels hokey it feels new agey it feels mm-hmm. you know sure Sure well I man,
4: I think early on whenever we were learning about the Enneagram and Beth was reading more I, it's kind of funny there I mean aside from Rohr's book, which was titled "The Christian Perspective on the Enneagram, uh, all the other authors taught from their worldview, so you might have so Roar, uh Catholic mystic. uh, And then you had some secular psychologists, more Freudian types with um, uh, Rizzo and Hudson. And so everybody was teaching from the worldview, Even Claudia Naranjo and how he uh, formulated these nine types and plus his academic career, including his uh, spirituality. It was all mixed in, but each person that encountered the Enneagram was teaching from the worldview. Well, when Beth and I were er studying early on, there weren't other Jeff and Beth McCords out there. So, mm-hmm. we're over in the new age section at Borders bookstore or right. Barnes and Noble <laughs> trying to find an Enneagram book. And and Beth's like, well, I, "We certainly don't agree with this, right. but the principles and descriptions seem true." <clears throat> yeah. What is what categories are there in the Bible that speak to this? And how does the Bible speak differently about those categories? So the idea of true self and false self versus being made in the image of God and being renewed in the image of God when we have a relationship with Jesus, the, yeah, those kinds of categories. to death,
5: you know, certain sins and come right? alive to Christ. That's and, right. You know, right. So
4: for... You know, I, for us, you can go to yourenigramcoach.com/origins. Uh, that's with an S, origins, and we've got three podcasts there that uh, we sat down with uh, two other gentlemen and we talked through it. Pastors. You know, for the pastors, theologians, and then you know, and then there's uh, an article there that's written for it. I, I was highly influenced by Francis Schaeffer. He was. a uh, mm-hmm a pastor and a yeah. professor within our denomination. And so, his approach to how to address culture that was not one, um, immerse yourself in culture being of the world, um, and nor was he uh, avoidant of the world where you just Retract back to create your own culture. Yeah. It was, it, it really was a, a way of being in the world, but not of it.
5: Well, we see Paul doing that
4: as yeah. well. That's right. So, yeah. And, and there we list uh, how the Bible even functions in that way, and the sense that many of the Psalms were rewritten Babylonian hymns right, right. that. Uh, David ascribed to Jesus, so uh, yeah. Paul in Athens, those kinds yeah. of passages. It's all there yeah. on the article, but you know, for us, um, it,
5: well, th- it is and, saddening and that's why our to us. Was so long.
4: That's right. So we didn't talk about it until
5: I would I would be reading well, and studying years. about myself and under like really as a nine trying to right. understand myself and help our marriage to to grow and blossom. And so I'd come across something that I'm like, okay. They use this word, and that is not at
4: all how <laughs> yeah, we would theologically approach right. Right. it. Right? I hmm. remember essence being yeah, a word. essence, that was used. you know.
5: Um, and I'm like, hey, Jeff, I, I get where they're going with that, yeah. but because you know him having four years of theological training from a um, a very conservative Christian uh, seminary, I was like, hey, how? I mean, truth. All truth is God's truth. So yeah, there it is. They're yeah. getting at something that's true, but from a theological standpoint how do we category, categorize this? How do we view this? What is what is biblically accurate? And so we did that from the 2001 period until we really started utilizing it in 2008. Now, we kept doing that, but it wasn't until 2008 where I think we felt more comfortable because yes. we had sifted through so right, much of it.
4: Right. We were no longer referring to these other authors to be read, but we were creating our own content yeah. from a... Biblical perspective, yeah,
5: and and throwing out what we don't agree with. I mean,
4: and and the best way that I can describe it to people who may be suspicious or concerned. Number one, uh, honor your experience because Christians are intended to be um, not—I don't want to say cautious, Mm -hmm. discerning—yeah, about different teachings. So. Honor it. This mm-hmm. is not something to run away, and we're we're not trying to convince people to um, well, this is somehow infringe upon their conscience. This is anyway.
5: one tool of thousands. But, and,
4: right. and so, the way that I, I phrase it is that oftentimes we think of the people think of the enneagram as almost like the Mormon Church, where mm-hmm. uh, a person received what they said was divine <laughs> revelation, mm-hmm. and that functioned then as an authority for a um. community of people who believed in it. That was not what happened with the Enneagram. The Enneagram was a professor who had a faith and... Uh, Began teaching it to students and those students began teaching it in their own way but using uh, certain aspects. They would change things, Mm -hmm. uh, add things, get rid of things and say, no, that's not accurate. I think this is more accurate. Um, And so it was more like a professor teaching students a theory that other people built upon. And so every teacher is going to teach from their worldview and so there's there's nothing to be afraid of. Our uh, presentation of the Enneagram is not to usurp the scriptures or mm-hmm. the and the fruit of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, but it's to help us to come in line with it, which there have been all That's kinds great. of number of tools that pastors have written over the decades.
5: Well, and, and yeah. lastly, just on this, and we can move on, is that our mission statement at your Enneagram Coach actually doesn't even have the word Enneagram in it. Mm. You know, our mission statement is to help people to understand themselves with astonishing clarity so they can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame. Wow. By knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. So again, it's taking us from that orphan mindset yeah. into who we really are as the beloved child. And we just mm-hmm. happen to use the tool of the Enneagram. Um, but again, it's just a tool. And if someone's not comfortable with it, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. Christ is all we need.
0: Yeah, that's so good. That's one of the things that drew me to what you guys are doing. I think that's very distinct about what you guys are doing is that you're, you're taking the Enneagram and you're kind of distilling it through the lens of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, okay, well, what's, what's right and good and true and beautiful about yeah. this tool as it mm-hmm. pertains to the gospel. Right. But let's not let the the Enneagram inform the gospel. Let's do it the other way around. Yes. Yeah. Yes. that's such a beautiful thing. My kids go to a classical Christian school and that's their big thing is they're mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to learn from some of the old classics, right? We're, we're going to have them read Plato and Aristotle, but we're going to yeah. always get them to think critically about what's right and good and true and beautiful. Yes, Because eternity is written on our hearts and all truth is God's truth. And Paul, like you referenced yeah. in Acts 17, was able to utilize the idol to an unknown God to, to evangelize and say, well, let me, let me show you what you're sensing here and you're discovering, but I can now put some truth to that that will cause this yes. light bulb, this gospel awakening to come out in you. Right. And um, right. I think that's what's right. uh, what really initially drew me to what you guys are doing. And mm-hmm. I was going to ask you in that, can you frame up for us how the Enneagram and the Gospel integrate? Right there, you almost did that essentially, Beth, with your mission <laughs> statement, right? But so, <laughs> but is there anything right. else that you would say yeah, right I mean, there if you're trying to paint a lens for people and going, well, yeah, I think we can do.
5: I think we can do. I'll have you do it, but I think we can do it really simply with Jeremiah two thirteen.
4: Yeah. That. Yeah, there's there's so many ways. That's right. So in Jeremiah 2, um, it says that for my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. The idea, uh, God saying to his people, you have strived to live a life apart from me. Mm. But that, what you are putting your energy, resources, identity, value, and worth into is leaking. It can't do mm. what it's, wow. and so, but I'm inviting you. The cistern
5: you, being like a I'm, clay jar.
4: That's right. It, it says so it's broken. These cisterns were used for security purposes. So, some of them could be small jars or they could be large water systems under a city when if they were under attack to have water. And these were man-made and they would put water in them they would crack and so they wouldn't function the way the protect self-protective way that they were intended. that Mm -hmm. Um, they were hoped or put intent behind. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Jesus invites us back as the spring of living water, which is a theme that he picks up on in, uh, in the gospels that he is the spring of living water. And we think about the Samaritan woman. And so when we think about an Enneagram type, number one, it is in line with our understanding of who that God makes us uniquely. So He's adopted us in love before the creation of the world. He's knit us together in our mother's womb. He has prepared good works in advance for us to do. He has given us by His Spirit certain gifts that we have a unique contribution to. So, being unique is not contrary to Scripture. That's actually consistent with the Scriptures. But we have used these gifts, strengths, abilities, talents to make life work apart from the cross. Mm. And that's our Enneagram type. But as with the scriptures, so, you know, I remember before I was a Christian, um, I was a successful uh, football player in Texas. And Mm -hmm. before I was a Christian, I used that for my own notoriety and image and acceptance. Uh, And matter of fact, I would even, uh, I was invited to speak at different places. But then I became a Christian and that all became no longer was it about me. I was doing many of the same things, but it was more about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that the benefit of the Enneagram is not that it, one says that, You've tried to make a life work apart from Jesus, which is the sin nature, the flesh, the old self. But um, because of the gospel and because of the spirit being the, the new man, the new creation, the new self, mm. that we are becoming something new. And these gifts actually become a contribution to how we live out our calling in relationships and how we live out our calling in careers.
5: Well, and so just to take that step further from an actual inside Enneagram perspective is that to find your main type, because there's nine uh, valid perspectives of the world, nine main types, um, you find your main type based off of the core motivations, you know, why you do what you do, based off yeah. of your core fear, your core desire, your core weakness, um, other teachers will call it passion or deadly sin, and then mm. your core longing, the message your heart longs to hear. And <clears throat> especially when you get to the message your heart longs to hear... That's what we're striving for, right? Mm. So either we're going to get that through the spring of living water, or we're yeah. going to dig our own cisterns. And yeah. so what we what we're doing is revealing all of that. Like you said, we have to have self awareness to even know that we're digging these yeah. cisterns that are broken, because we feel like no, this makes sense. Like this is how it's done, or this is how I get you know fulfilled. Right but they're broken. And once we wake up to that fact that it's broken, and oh my goodness, right here, literally next to me is the spring Mm -hmm. of living water. And I can have as much as my heart desires and it is glorious and beautiful. Then what's gonna happen is Christ fills that core longing. He satisfies it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where we're trying to take people is, we know that you have this core longing and this need, but we need to stop digging and we need to start drinking from Jesus Christ.
0: Hey friend, I want to share with you one of my absolute favorite resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. It's the Pain to Purpose 42 Day Devotional. This devotional is a beautiful 42-day journey through life's valleys, With biblically based encouragement to help you or someone you love navigate the difficulties of life. Each week, you'll learn from the journey of a major character in Scripture and be able to reflect on how that impacts your own story in whatever you're facing. From Job to David, Ruth to Jesus himself, you'll see how God has taken the most dire of circumstances and brought healing and redemption from the ashes. This devotional makes a great gift for the person who is walking through a recent loss or trauma. Or who carries the wounds from pain in their past. It's something that you can keep on hand to give to someone who is experiencing any kind of pain point, and it's a great addition to your daily time with the Lord. For just $25, you can get one for yourself or gift it to a friend. For our Nothing Is Wasted podcast listeners, we want to offer you 20% off your entire order of the devotional, whether it's one or whether it's 20, using the coupon code PODCAST. Again, 20% off your entire order of devotionals using the coupon code PODCAST. Grab a copy today of the Pain to Purpose 42-Day Devotional at nothingiswasted.com slash Devo, D-E-V-O, nothingiswasted.com slash Devo. Be encouraged by it yourself or encourage someone else in their journey through life's valleys. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash Devo. one of the things that i remember thinking when i first heard of the enneagram began to study a little bit is that you see two kind of well at least i saw two different types of people engage with the enneagram they would use the enneagram as like a an excuse for why they are the way they are yeah And, you know, it's like an excuse not to grow as a, which is the absolute antithesis of what the Enneagram is supposed to be. It's a tool for growth. It's not supposed to be an excuse, but- the opposite of the gospel. (laughs) Yes, it's an explanation for why I am the way I am right now or or where there's some Mm -hmm. fracturing or brokenness that manifests itself in my particular design, right? But then it also, the scripture and the gospel gives us a roadmap for how do we then- Get back to the, the, the core identity of a child of God, right? Mm-hmm. And so I wonder how do we discern those things when we as we're discovering our type? And I'm making some massive assumptions right now that people understand the types of Enneagram. I'm not going to have you do a flyover of them because I, you know, yeah, we don't have the time to do that. But as they're beginning to understand their type, what informs them? Like, oh, this this explains who I am this provides a lot of relief to some of the angst I've been feeling around this. But then also mm-hmm. this gives me a little bit of a pointer back to how I need to be engaging with the gospel and, and and with mm-hmm. God in terms of cutting kind of uh, letting that new man or that new woman begin to surface, you know, what, where's the yeah. tension between the two?
4: I will say this, mm-hmm. uh, and this is just a side note. So um, since we it had gone through a, significant experience with a church in 2015 Mm -hmm. um i've been participating in a recovery a 12-step program Mm -hmm. um and it it's interesting there's a an idiom they say three steps and you're out Hmm. because even in recovery people will want to say i'm broken and i need help step one and i want to trust god uh that i'm willing and um to trust God, a power outside of myself, mm-hmm. um, and then three, to, to work these steps. And But uh, when it gets to make a fearless moral inventory, step four, people opt out. <laughs> um, and I think the Enneagram, in some senses, it, it functions in the same way mm-hmm. as that, well, this explains what Problems I have in the world, but I'm not prepared to do anything about it. Yeah,
5: and and I think that's a really valid wow. point because I think people need to realize is the enneagram is a non judgmental friend and it is going to lay it all out. <laughs> yeah,
3: so <it> <laughs> now
5: it's laying out all of it. So it's and laying it's, out the beautiful, amazing aspects of how we glorify God when we're healthy, but it's going to go all the way to the other is. side.
0: Beth, when <laughs> you asked you sh- me before we got on, before we started recording, yeah. you said, what, what's your Enneagram type? And I was like, Oh, I don't want to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I wonder if everybody has yes. that feeling, right? Cause we know.
5: Everyone does. Uh, the ovaries, you're not doing
0: the Enneagram right. right
5: if you right. don't have the feeling.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
5: <laughs> and, but, but I was the,
4: thinking of sword and shield. Right. Yeah.
5: So, well, and I'll let you uh, tackle that. But, you know, what What we want people to realize is you're going to have that moment where you start to learn about your type, when you kind of settle on your main type. And you're going to have that feeling of like, ugh. And here's what I want people to recognize, is that it's okay. It's actually good because you've been freed, you've been mm. redeemed, you've been restored. God is bringing you to a new understanding that you do operate on this side of heaven, both from that wounded part of your heart or the orphan mindset, right? but who you really are in Christ, you are his beloved child. Mm. And so no, no matter where we are in the levels of health, according to our Enneagram type, we are still always seen as righteous because of Christ's righteousness put on us Mm -hmm. and so we can because of that we can see this spectrum of who we are and accept it not in the sense of like oh yep that's who I am I'm just going to be this way you know not and that's what Jeff was saying we don't want to use it as a sword or as a shield we don't want to hide behind well I'm just a nine so I'm not going to know myself ever so too bad Jeff Mm -hmm. like we don't want to hide behind it God calls us to be more like Christ, and that's transformation. That yeah. is growth. And it's growth in the way that He designed us. So it's not, I shouldn't be striving to become like Jeff in his integrity.
0: <laughs> <be> <laughs> I was actually going to say that. But, I feel like, really I feel like hard nine to make, to the make most you desirable. To me, <laughs> <laughs> me it feels like nine's the most desirable, right? It's like you see everybody's well, perspective. Oh, you're the maker. Are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> you're encouraging it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, nine is where I go when I'm unhealthy. So that's, well, you know, I don't... and yeah. and health. Under stress, can be yeah. healthy. So,
4: so, yeah.
5: Yeah. So under stress, you go there, but a lot... That's like Enneagram 101 teaching, which is great. Right. But you actually, at your very healthiest, you get to the healthiest part of nine. Okay. And you're still three. And, and you're the, using the healthiest the, part of six. And the, the, this
0: is what you guys uh, have just written vocabulary. in this book, right? This is essentially yeah. the right. concept. Right. So,
5: So we actually, so with the Enneagram, this is just a really quick side note. Everyone's going to be like, wait, what? So you have (laughs) the Enneagram 101 with those arrows, those lines that are connected. You have under stress, which is what you were saying. As a three, you go to nine. And then when you're growing, you go towards the healthier part of six. I go toward five. Your, so you need right,
0: to be like me, David. Right. So I just need to be like right <laughs> in the middle of you guys. And just right. kind of,
5: yeah. But what we also show, because so if you take it a step further, when you are mainly at home um, or with those that you're closest to, you will go in the direction of the less healthy six. That's called your blind spot path. Hmm. And this is where the three who shines for everyone else, like we can do it, let's go. Let's achieve at home. You might complain or anxious or worried, or you're, you're expressing some more of those anxieties. But you're never going to do that, like with anyone else. You are because blowing that's my
0: mind so right now, Beth. Because I'm right? Oh my gosh! i kn- okay. Sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. suspend my. I'm gonna act like I know exactly what you're talking about for the sake of everybody who's watching this and listening to this. <laughs> and then
5: most people don't and that's that's okay because most of the books out there because it it's a lot to absorb the way it's typically taught so so again so so that's the blind spot path okay so what what is your growth path so those that are enneagram informed out there what is your growth path at home you're going to typically go in that same direction but in a less healthy way now our book more than your number which we'll get into covers this but here's what's really cool is so you've you've gone into your growth path okay so yeah. for you you've gone to a healthier part of 6 which really means for you you take on courage and resilience
0: right loyalty and and, and
5: loyalty and it's all about collaboration, us versus other me. people
0: yeah yes. yeah
5: and so, that's really great, but you'll take that path and take it a step further into the healthiest part of nine, and we, we call that the converging path, and mm. that's where you're using your healthy three, your healthy six, and now the healthy nine. And what that's going to do for you as a type three is not only are you still striving and and growing and doing the things that a three does in a healthy way, not for your own image, but for the sake of others and for the, for the glory of God, but the nine is going to allow you to be, instead of being a human doing, you're a human being, and you're able to wow. incorporate all of this in that same
4: space. And well, in, in our conversation prior to us recording, you yeah. had talked about yielding to providence, right, yeah. and stewarding the story that God has given you. And so, you know, many threes in their fleshly uh, part of their heart will want to force providence; they will yeah. want to yeah. make something work, yeah, achieve it. And uh, to, to, yeah, be successful. They don't want to live in a fallen world where it right. presses back against you. But on in, in the converging path where a, a three goes to nine, yeah. they they don't give up. It's not giving right. up. It's it's right. yielding mm-hmm. um, that I'm not in control of this world. Wow. So I'm going to yield to providence because there's something even better out there that God has in store.
5: And that's really at the heart of our book, More Than Your yes. Number, is is these connecting parts to you.
4: Connecting types. Connecting like The types. wings mm-hmm. and the arrows.
5: Yep. Are either going to function for you out of the wounded part of your heart, the less right. healthy, or they're going to function from the beloved part, the healthier part, the one that knows, believes, and trusts in their identity in Christ. Right. And it's what we're hoping in the book is that you will be able to be more aware and attuned and mindful of your heart condition. Where, where's my heart right now? Not from a shame perspective, but in, in a place where you're aware and attuned so that you can coach, lead, pastor, mentor right. that wounded part of your heart, welcome it, care for it. It has needs yeah. um, and, and mentor it towards the truth into the beloved space.
4: Well, in the book, we talk about David's Psalm. Um, I think it's forty-two, mm-hmm. where he talks about why so downcast, oh yeah. my soul. Yeah, is it? What does it look like for us to not shame or ignore these parts of our hearts, mm-hmm. but to learn how these parts of us that may be less healthy um, are carrying a burden, and we get to extend the grace of God to these parts of us.
5: Yeah. So, like for you, let's say. You're seeing the patterns because like you're like, oh wait, you're blowing my mind you know so yeah. you're seeing these patterns at home yeah. from that less healthy six space And what most of us will do is we'll shame ourselves or guilt ourselves right. or right. you know whatever it is and it actually spirals us even further down Yeah, for sure. But the Innergram, what it's doing is it's just again, it's a non-judgmental friend it's just laying it out there. It's just a map of oh. understanding.
4: It's like a flashlight. it's like, just light in the way
5: yeah and so it's like, oh, Hey, this is what's going on. Yeah. I must be anxious inside. There are things going on that I need to be mindful and attuned to. So, what can I do to see what's going on with my wounded the wounded child part of my heart? What is it afraid of? What is it, you know, what does it need? And how can I tune to it and bring truth into that space? And so it's an actual it's an opportunity for deeper growth in our trust in Christ and using the Holy Spirit to enable us to grow. And if we can see it through that lens, we don't need to fear anymore having our sin and weakness and um, uh, challenges pop up in front of us. Right, right. Now that's easier said than done. (laughs) Of course. But we can go, This is an opportunity to understand my heart. This is an opportunity because I know that Christ has enabled me to grow to be yeah. more like Him. But obviously, I'm struggling right now. So, what do I need to do to help get my heart in alignment with the gospel? Mm-hmm. And that sometimes, utilizing you know other people in the journey, like in Pilgrim's Progress, like faithful, yeah. um, you know, scripture, prayer, um, all these different things. But it's the awareness piece that's so important. And if we're afraid of being aware, if we just allow it to swallow us whole in that self-condemnation and shame, we're not going to really get anywhere. But we actually now have a tool that will help us to see things clearly and then choose to follow the Holy Spirit and truth into the light of growth and wholeness.
0: Wow. I told you guys this was going to be a counseling session for me, right? (laughs) Well, I feel like what you said with that, you know, Jeff, you were saying this like, for me personally, <laughs> trusting uh, providential, you know, going into that like convergent space of a nine, the healthiest nine mm-hmm. for me, I as the the thought I had was, man, you have to. There's some as a three, there's some resistance that the world kind of brings toward your endeavors. In endeavors that you're yes. like, this is just natural resistance. We got to forge through on this. But then there's some resistance yes. that's mm-hmm. like divine resistance. That's like, no, I'm holding this back for a reason and for a season right now. And it's learning to discern those things. I imagine yeah. all types have that kind of, you know, needing to discern between some of the different propensities that they carry. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so I mean, maybe you guys can speak to that, but also the, I think the other thing too, that Beth, you were kind of alluding to was relationships. You're talking about this shield versus mm-hmm. a sword. Sometimes we can leverage what we know about mm-hmm. other people, particularly in marriage against them in terms of their type and use it as a sword. Yeah. And We've so never done that. <laughs> I, I mean, I How feel you? like, uh, I'll you be know.
5: honest. I'll be honest and vulnerable. I do it more than you do it.
4: And you know, that's true I do, like, for sixes. I, our director of coaches calls it my, our, he's a type six as well. And he, we call it our sixiness. <laughs> um but Beth sometimes calls
0: it my six-ness. sickness which uh. sounds
5: like sickness
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see no, the both sides there we go <laughs>
5: Yeah and so but we
2: uh.
5: I mean when I say I do it more I'm not ever literally trying Though it does come out, it's just so hurtful.
2: easy
4: to do. It is easy because to do because you have vocabulary to you describe this, what's happening. Yeah, sword and that you
5: can wield.
4: I mean, I, I, I don't regularly just say to you, "Stop being a nine. No, yeah. But I may talk about your ambivalence mm-hmm. of engaging avoidance, avoidance dis-
5: disassociation. Right, and so I talk but about it. Matters that. on how you do it.
4: Oh. Yeah, absolutely.
5: <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've heard you say that a few times in 26 years. <laughs> it's like,
5: Beth, you're avoiding. If you do it in a way that is, doesn't Why land do right. you
1: have yeah. to say it in then, that tone? I know. Then I'm going to avoid <laughs> way, more. way more. Nines are
5: like, we're the most stubborn on the Enneagram. So it's like, oh, you think I'm avoiding? Yeah. We'll just Watch know. this. <laughs>
4: I'm, I'm going to be a professional avoider. Uh.
0: Well, I mean, without, um, you know, without seeming obvious, I mean, how can this tool be used to help us in terms of our relationship? I mean, it's already enough of a task in um, a feed, It seems like to understand yourself, yeah. not to understand your spouse, to understand. Other well, people here's the cool thing. With.
5: So in both our, um, well, we, we put out 11 books, right. nine of them are journals, which are great. Uh, spouses, uh, friends, small groups, they can use those together no matter what type they are. Cause every um, it's a 21 day journey and every day is on the same topic, but then type specific. So you can go, Hey, what'd you learn on day three or, yeah. you know? Um, so that's really fun. But the other two books, uh, the first one we wrote is becoming us. So it's learning how to use the tool, the Enneagram from a gospel centered perspective in your marriage, though really anyone can use it for any relationship. You just kind of filter yeah. out the word marriage and, you know, you, there you go. Right. Um, but also are more than your number book which is really what we're talking about, kind of understanding these parts of us in the healthy to unhealthy way. What's cool about both of those, they're both fantastic for relationship understanding. And in the back of the book, Jeff always says, you know, it's like an album. There's always two songs that are the hits in an album uh, (laughs) that you really just listen to over and over again. Um, Well, the back of the book it's segmented for each of the nine types. And there's usually about six to eight pages per type. And so if you go back there... You know, on the Becoming Us we literally show you what your personality is like you know in a lot of bullet forms so you can quick it's like a cheat sheet so if those are you that are like I don't really read books well hey this is just cheat sheets just go to yeah. the back you're going to get a lot of great information very quickly but it also says what the other person is like so how do you understand them um, what are they looking for in relationship with you how can you love them better and then in more than your number we're really showing you how all of these connecting types to your Main type are functioning, whether in that wounded space or that beloved space. And so yeah. you can quickly see. So if you were to read the book right now and you were to look, oh my gosh, look, at I do go to six in these unhealthy yeah. ways. And I do yeah. go to nine in these healthy ways. That is a new epiphany for most people that yeah. have been into the Enneagram. So if you're out there and you're an Enneagram enthusiast, yeah. more than your number takes it to another level.
4: Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, Just a very practical way of how to do this. Um uh John Gottman uh, in his marriage research has said that one of the attributes of a master at relationships versus a disaster that's his words not mine mm-hmm. master um and, but he says is that they accept influence mm-hmm. um from one another so if you have if you've built trust by a 5 to 1 ratio of affirmation to uh whether the uh, a, a challenge, a criticism, uh, something... Feedback. A uh, feedback, yes. <laughs> so um, you'll develop something called positive sentiment override that you are receptive to someone's feedback, mm. your spouse's feedback. Interesting. So the, the bad way of addressing the character de- defects of associate, or associated with a type is to say, um, Beth, you are a um, avoider. You have been an avoider our entire marriage, and I don't think you're ever going to change.
5: Okay, which you come behind from, the scenes is true.
4: You come from a family of <laughs> avoiders, and you true. need to go and get fixed. Yeah. That would be the way that now, you
5: all of don't that, do it. That'd all be a that disaster you just said
4: is example. truth. That, would, that is
5: not the way to handle it. I mean, it. Yeah.
4: I, I don't know how to say this to guys. It comes natural to say it that way, but it doesn't work. And we all know it doesn't work. Well, it works? It's just
5: not the way you want
4: it to work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, Paul's yeah. words about rules. Uh, he says in Colossians that uh, these are destined to perish with use. Like this that, wow. it just never works. But we keep trying. And but here is the way of doing it. Hey Beth, I. I, my experience of you today is that I sense that you're starting to um, step away and the way that I feel about that is that I'm, um, I feel a little lonely in doing a particular project together or in doing some chores and I really enjoy doing life together with you. Would you be willing to help me with this project? So Hmm. I've I've not you words I've just used I words (laughs)
5: yeah absolutely and then as as the nine who wants
4: we just had like like an intimate (laughs) moment right there (laughs) here let's go we can do it Uh, yeah (laughs) I got her out of it she's out of the slough Uh, yeah
5: (laughs) yeah and, and and it. And it's different for each couple type combination. We actually yeah. developed 45 courses, one for each couple type combination to show them their dance, the, the way that they function in unhealth and health um, and how to get from one place to the other. And it's really important to understand who you are in relationship with because what he just said to me landed on my type nine heart really well, Yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to land on all the other types hearts the same way a type eight might be like all he would have to say is hey what's going on you seem distance Uh, i really like us to get these things done together because i really enjoy you and it's just like straight to the point blunt let's go and so by understanding your type and their type and how the two function together is really important Mm. um and again it's just bringing clarity and understanding
4: yeah so the the four principles behind it are and this comes from the book non- odd title, but it's called Nonviolent Communication. It's an older, best-selling marriage communication book. But you state what happened you state your experience of what happened. You state your need or desire, and then you make a request. Hmm. But wow. it's never about them. You're just you're saying, "Hey, this is my experience right now. Would you be willing to join me in remedying this?" Wow. And it it's non-confrontational, and so it doesn't put people on the defensive, and you don't start fighting uh, over it. But you actually have the opportunity to use conflict as a way of connecting. And that's
5: what's so cool about the enneagram. So, like what he just said. I can take that information and filter it through the nine types. That's right. Yeah, You know, because that truth, that piece of information needs to be slightly tweaked to, to, uh, I guess be utilized at its best for each of the nine types. Yeah. And for it to land on each of the nine types in a way that brings out the best in them as well.
0: Wow. Do you guys find that there's any particular types that have a natural, uh, discord versus a natural resonance uh, or I mean, I know there's so many variables involved. Yeah, in yes. the, I mean, it, know, it.
4: It's really interesting. I, You know, we know a few because we have a course for each a couple right. type. And uh, if you go to becoming us.com, there's a personalized marriage plan. You just put in both of your uh, types and we'll give you six page summary over that relationship for free. Wow. For free. So there certainly I'm going are right trends. i this
0: conversation, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there yeah. certainly are trends. And,
5: and you don't have to marry. It, it talks about being married, but like you could just do yeah. like you and a child, you and a yeah. coworker. That's
4: great. But there are trends in what types couple up. So there are very few five and five relationships. Uh, we do know a few eight and eight relationships yeah. and it's what you think. Energetic. <laughs>
3: <Interject>. <laughs> such a, such such a great way
4: of putting that, Jeff. <laughs> a lot of passion, you know, the spoon drops on the floor and you're like, okay, Boom. are we going to put the gloves on or yeah. are we just going to move on? Um, and yet at the same time, when that uh, it's almost like uh, Ghostbusters putting their, um, when they say don't yeah. cross the... Oh, I mean, yeah. They, you know, when they cross them, they take on like yeah. eights can take on yeah. uh marshmallow monsters. But then we
5: know a couple type that's a nine and a nine, and it's the complete opposite.
4: Complete opposite. You know, it, but
5: that doesn't mean because the nines aren't less intense, it doesn't mean that they're healthier. Right, and that's right. the key here is when we say this all the time, and it's not a cop out, it's absolutely true, is there are 45 couple types, and God brings us together with these with with one another, again, whether it's your spouse or your children, your coworkers, church, whatever it is, God brings us together into community. What matters is how healthy or unhealthy are we are. Mm -hmm. And that's where our book, uh, More Than Your Number, really can be helpful because it's letting you know, am I operating from a less healthy, wounded part of my heart Mm. and all the defensive strategies that come with that? Or am I leaning into using uh, truth and the Holy Spirit to help me to live out of my beloved part, which is the healthy part of my heart. And when that's operating, the overflow, as we know, the overflow of our heart is really beautiful. And so, that's the key. So, when you have two eights together, when their hearts are aligned with the truth of the gospel, man, it is powerful. It's dynamic. It's rich. They are plowing a path for so many people. Um, But then when they get to unhealthy, it's Going to be explosive and really hard but it's the same with any two types you get a five and a two together they're very opposites but we actually find that couple type combination together a lot
4: Mm. and one of the statements that we use is that what first attracts you will eventually frustrate you yeah yeah so but beth being a nine a Attracted steady. me. She's steady. Um, she has calm. Yeah, that's right. There's warmth. There's presence. She's amazing. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes. It's like, wow, she's going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, and
4: at the same time, there's another side to being uh, present is that sometimes she loses her sense of identity to be present to me.
5: Well, we talk about Jeff when we met being like a Ford pickup truck on the highway going a hundred miles an hour. And I'm this little Fiat on the service road next <laughs> to it going 30, you know, I'm on a Sunday drive yeah. and like he pulled me onto the highway. Now there's a part of that that's really good for me. Like, Hey, let's get going. You know, like, like, you know, um, not being, um, apathetic and disengaged with life.
4: And you can put a roof rack on that Fiat and carry <laughs> a little bit more.
5: <laughs> and so there's a part of that gets me engaged. Um, And so, I might go from 30 to, let's say, 50. And I'm like, whoa, this is really fast. (laughs) And part of that is I'm pulling him back, hopefully, so that he's maybe going 75, 80, right? But sometimes I will dig in my heels Mm -hmm. and I'm pulling him back into, like, no, we are going 50. You are not, you know, I am, you know not going to have you go any yeah, faster yeah. and that's where the unhealth comes in you know it's mm-hmm. those strategies thinking and it's the the digging the cisterns no right. as a nine I must have peace at all mm-hmm. cost mm-hmm. and you will be with me on this service road going 30 miles an hour you know and yeah. I can do that by being stubborn disengaged um, apathetic you know there's lots of different ways that the nine does that or I can say hey I want to join this journey with you, but I really am not comfortable going 80 yeah. or 100. Like, that is just not the pace that God has me in. So, we've got to meet somewhere in the middle. Um, and so, if I'm going 50 and he's going 80, yeah, we're still not, you know, eye to eye, right. but we're definitely in the same zone. Um, but it's still true
0: to who we are. Hey friends! With as many of you guys who are listening to this each week, I know so many of you are carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. Your story is not gone the way that you thought it was going to go. And when we when we start to process what's happening in our lives, we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain, not really knowing where to go from here, what to do from here. And uh, you know, I know from experience that we even begin to to tell ourselves lies like, "This is the end of your story." That this will always define you. And trust me, I've been there. But with the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. And nothing is wasted ministries. We exist to help you navigate your pain and even find purpose from that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start, or you've been with us for some time and you're just looking to take your next step, I'm hosting a free live call just for you. In that call, we're going to talk about the five steps to taking back your story, no matter what you've gone through. I'm going to share with you a little more of my own journey of how God met me in my valley and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda. And I'm gonna teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. The call's gonna be right at 60 minutes long, but I promise you, it's gonna be well worth your time because in it, you'll learn things like how to regain a sense of agency and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of your trying circumstances. Why having more questions than answers may be an essential part of moving forward how to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're going to talk about the one key decision that you're going to have to take in order to move through your pain and and beyond it. How to listen to the right voices when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you quote unquote should do next. And listen to me, a whole lot more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain you've experienced, you don't have to stay there. I want to be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. Just go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free live call. Or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, just click the link at the bottom in the show notes. We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up and we're offering multiple date and time options for this live call to work with your calendar. Guys, I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough you need to put you on the redemptive path God has for you. Just open up your browser on your phone right now and go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here or click the link we've included in the show notes of this episode. I'm in your corner and I can't wait to connect with you soon. You know, I'm curious about, and we've got so many people who are listening to this, they're undergoing some kind of a trauma loss Tragedy, grief. I know you oh, said yeah. mm-hmm. earlier that you guys are doing some qu- quite a bit of work on mm-hmm. the enneagram, enneagram and grief, and you're kind of digging into some of that stuff for, for the future. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems to me too that this more than your number that also can help to inform, you know, how we process through trauma. One of the things we talk about quite a bit is that, you know, back to the kind of C.S. Lewis quote where pain becomes a megaphone. That awakens yeah. us, right?
5: Yeah.
0: Often it's mm-hmm. that those instances of pain and trauma, loss that we that we finally stop. And if we're walking through that in a healthy way, we become more aware of who God is, of who we are in light of who God is, and and how this world operates. Right? It reclarifies those things for us if we're if we're aware enough to do that. And the Enneagram mm-hmm. is such a powerful tool to do that. I'm I'm curious if you guys maybe even give us a flyover of some of the types or all nine types and how they tend to respond to trauma, stress, mm-hmm. pressure, you know, I guess we can kind mm-hmm. of categorize it however we want to, or, or use whatever label we want. Yeah. But
4: I, I'll just speak to a couple of principles mm-hmm. about trauma and loss. And then once you, you can talk, use an example of each type. Um, you know, the first thing that happens when we experience living in a fallen and sinful world um, is there's you think of the Psalms, there's disorientation. Yeah. Um, and the way that Allender describes it, Dan Allender, is fragmentation. Yeah. And so we will seek with the gifts that we have, the natural abilities um, to cope with that, and that can be with or without, or with recognition of who Christ is, or without who Christ is. Now, the reality is, is that we are still in relationship with Him, but in that disorientation, we become confused and we double down on our natural efforts to cope, Mm -hmm. to survive. Yeah. And then secondly, we'll move to something of structure or dogmatism. Hmm. I don't want this to ever happen again. And so we might use spirituality to uh, organize ourselves. Um, We may uh, commit ourselves to certain uh, set of rules and expectations or uh, self-made rules to live by in order to feel security so that we don't have to experience it again. Um well when you start to do grief work, what you come to recognize is that, wow, okay, I what I experienced in being disoriented was actually a gift God has given me mm-hmm. to understand yep. who He is and who I am. That's right. It gives me opportunity to honor what was lost, and that the path towards healing is not to create a world apart from Christ, but it's actually to re-engage in a new way with a new understanding of who I am and who He is. So, for each Enneagram type as it relates to trauma and loss, essentially what it does is that it activates, or the popular term is triggers, the the relational strategies that we've always used since childhood. Yeah, right. And we just reenact those same things to cope with our pain. But why don't you talk about just a few types? Well, I'm I'm chuckling, Jeff,
0: because we always say don't villainize the trigger. (laughs) Because often you can encounter a trigger, but that if you view it through the lens of the gospel, that's actually an invitation. God is bringing an experience, a relationship, a moment as an invitation Mm -hmm. to invite you into deeper healing deeper self work, deeper understanding of who he is, right? And a reorientation of how the world operates.
4: It. Yeah. If he didn't honor how he was activated as a person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So even in his anger, his yep. shame, his fear, his confusion, all became an opportunity for him. Now, please understand that that's David writing songs and okay. I don't know if how many people write songs and poems, but <laughs> you don't just do that instantaneously those took time Um, but he wrote and reflected on his experience of moving and I think it's uh, Walter Brueggemann on his commentary on Mm. the Psalms talks about being disoriented and reoriented uh, as you walk through each of the Psalms.
0: Beth you were going to say something sorry I interrupted you there.
5: No, no. I, yeah, I was just going along with what you guys said. Um, but yeah, I'd be happy to kind of walk real quickly through, we yeah. call it the wheel. It's kind of going around yeah. the symbol. Um, and obviously there's so much more right, to right. what we're going to say here. <laughs> this
0: is like I almost super... hesitate to ask the question because I'm like, <laughs> th- this is almost a f- exercise of futility because there's so much well, more to this. But. Why don't you take just one of each triad?
5: I mean, I can do it quickly. Okay. Okay, so the type ones are the principled reformers. And... Yeah when when they're struggling with grief and uh, trauma of some kind, it's going to really activate their core weakness, which is resentment, because they think things need to be perfect, okay? They have an inner critic that's constantly yep. berating them. Yep. And so they're going to get more critical and judgmental. But what we need to recognize is that Christ has already fulfilled their core longing of uh, you are good, not because they are good, but because he is good and his righteousness is on them. The type two is the nurturing supporter and they are looking for others to appreciate them that they're needed and wanted. But when there's certain kind of trauma going on or a negative outcome, they might feel rejected. And that's a huge thing for them. So if they feel rejected in any way, they're going to double down with pride. That's their core weakness. And this pride inserts themselves confidently in other people's lives with advice and help and nurture of some kind.
4: They become more helpful.
5: Yeah. Whether they're, it's wanted overly, or not. To avoid overbearing. The
0: grief. It's like the smother um, rather than just the yeah, mother, right?
5: Yeah. Exactly. And, um, But what Christ has done is that he has come and said to them, you are loved and wanted just for who you are, not because of what you do, but for who you are. Now the type three, you're in your neck of the woods, the admirable achiever, uh, they are wanting to be admired and have high status and to be respected um, and valued. But if they have any sort of exposure of being a failure or incompetent or inefficient, um, then what you're going to see is their core uh, weakness of deceit pop up. Mm-hmm. And this is where they deceive themselves into others, into believing that they're something they're not, you know, so something grand. And they may not even realize that that is happening. But what Christ has satisfied, he knows the longing of the three. And so Christ says, I see you for who you really are, your authentic self, and you are love for simply being you. It's not about it's your achievements. As
4: I hear you talking, Bethy, there, there is a way in which each type can over-function and under-function. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the type one who might move into the situation to try to make things right for everybody and make... Yep. Uh, But then they can shut down. Uh, The two can do the same thing where they become more selfish, self-interest and demanding of other people to serve them. And they become over-functioning by serving others. And the three, there may be a part of them that shows up like, I'm handling this. I'm working through it. I'm going to get through this. And then there's another part of them uh, when they're alone where they're very scared uh, and very disorganized. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Uh, The type four is the um, introspective uh, individualist. And for them, they are wanting to be unique, special, and different because they really feel at the core that there's something flawed and missing inside them. And so they are longing to belong. Um, And so for, for the type four, what Christ does is he satisfies their core longing because he says, I see you and I know you better than you know yourself. And I love you because you're unique and you're special. Now the type five is the analytical investigator and they are really concerned about feeling depleted of their inner resources and energy, but also not being competent um, or knowledgeable. And so they're striving to push back either people away or uh, make sure no one drains them, but also that they have enough information to be competent. But what happens is they can get very um, isolated and withdrawn in that space. But what Christ does is he comes in and he says, um, your needs are not a problem. And that's what's so cool is he's the God of the universe. You know, he has no problem taking care of all their needs and replenishing them, especially, you know, the spring of living water. Come to him and he'll restore you.
4: Yeah, I mean, again, for a type five, they could look very, um, they could isolate Mm -hmm. or become frenetically active Yeah. um, Yeah. uh, whenever they're grieving.
5: Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, So the... Uh, type six, your neck of the woods, Jeff, uh, the faithful guardian. So for them, their grief is going to be really, and their and their trauma is going to be really wrapped up about security, loneliness, connection. Um, do they have what they need, um, and are they prepared for what could be around the corner? Right. Um, and so, what you'll find with them is they will be very anxious. Now, we all can be anxious, but they can be very anxious in this in the mind of an internal committee. So they have this internal committee that's chiming in from all different directions. What'd you think about this? Did you think about that? Are you prepared here? Are you prepared there? And then it creates a lot of self doubt. Mm. And so they're looking outside themselves for support. And so they can trust too much uh, Mm. people, beliefs and things outside themselves versus trusting what the Holy Spirit is doing inside them. But Christ comes and says, You are safe and secure with me. Follow me.
4: I remember whenever my mom died in 2000, uh, we were on a church trip uh, in New York. We flew down and within hours of us getting to the hospital, she ends up dying. Mm But uh, I remember my heart moving to responsibility for the family quickly. And because I didn't want to admit to having lost someone of significance to me. So my responsibility was a way of uh, yeah, inhibiting grief.
5: That's and, good. Wow. Yeah. Um, so then the type seven is the enthusiast or enthusiastic optimist. Um, and they really struggle with being trapped in emotional pain. And so you can imagine, um, you know, for someone that's dealing with grief and trauma, this is going to be a really, really hard space. So what you usually find with uh, the type seven is there bouncing to the next positive thing, Mm. uh, to the next experience, the next stimulation. And it's really hard for them to sit in that moment. But what Christ does is he lets them know, I will take care of you, Mm. you know, at the core, at at this lonely place, at this place of grief, but I need you to sit here with me and to savor the moment. And that is just Mm. really hard and really scary for this. I a
4: great example is the movie Patch Adams. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that was with Robin Williams. Yeah, if you
5: haven't seen that, it's a yeah fantastic. That is hard, a
4: seven hard walking movie, among but it's pain, fantastic pain and mm-hmm. both healthy and unhealthy ways. Yeah,
5: based on a true wow. story. Yep. Um, and then the type eight is a passionate protector. Now they really are concerned about being controlled, harmed, manipulated, um, controlled, and grief is going to take control of yeah. your heart. Yeah. And they're going to do everything possible to use their intensity and their drive to push through it and to maybe ignore it like get through it like I'll just work harder I'll just move move mountains somehow but as we all know grief catches up and so right. what what Christ wants them to know is that you are protected and taken care of by me. Mm. And so that they can come to him, you know, like chicks with a hen, like come, you know, I've got you or the cleft, you know, the rock. Um, and so that's really important for the, the eights. Do you have anything
4: on that? I mean, I have a, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Again, back to the point that there is yeah, so I mean, much. <laughs> I, you know, eights become the fighters and yeah. they want to fight for the injustice. They want to push back on the fall. So it, it,
5: they might I mean, not rest in in the horrible.
4: Oh, tragedy. to feel controlled by mm-hmm. the tragedy. No, but
5: the sovereignty. Yeah.
4: But if they grieve well, they come out as these gentle warriors. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah,
5: and then the type nine. You know, we just absolutely fear being disconnected, mm. um, some sort of conflict, uh, not having harmony and peace and stability, and that is pretty much the definition of trauma and grief, right? Like you have lost something. And usually what it feels like for the nine is you've lost a part of yourself. Yeah. um, Because we merge with others. And so not only are we grieving the loss of that individual or we've lost um, the relationship if it's a trauma, but we really feel like we've lost a part of ourselves. And how do we reconcile that, especially when we don't know ourselves well? And, And so what you'll find with the nines is we'll get very withdrawn, we'll cut ourselves off, we'll become apathetic, maybe um, uh, withdrawn and still but what Christ wants us to know is that our presence matters in life, even in the process of grief, even in the hard spaces and that we need to engage in those spaces um, for our own well-being and growth and um, uh, growing through the the grief but also for everyone else as well. They need that, that that perspective from the nine as they all grieve as well.
4: I remember when that experience with my mom in 2000, that um, anger came up for you. Yeah,
5: I was yeah. Oh, I was pregnant with Libby. That's right. And I was angry at sin and death.
4: Yeah. Yes.
5: Like you took her from my daughter mm. and, and I knew that your mom would have doted on Libby.
4: That's right.
5: And I was angry. And I remember... Because you know, a lot of you know Christians are like, "Oh, but she's in a better place." And they, I was they like,
4: "Spiritually bypass grief."
5: Yeah, and I was like, "No, I am angry at sin and death. It yeah. robbed us of something special." And I remember because that's when you were in seminary, and you're like, "No, this is that is a good space to be in, Beth." And so I just I allowed it to be that's what good. it was.
0: Yep, yep, that's so good. So there Reminds you go, me of, the nine types. That's amazing. And,
5: Yeah, there's obviously so much more to unpack. You know, there's things of understanding of like, okay, so then when we're in that space and we're struggling, what are the defensive mechanisms that come up for us, and how can we recognize those? Again, not with shame and guilt, but how can we recognize those to bring them to the foot of the cross, and allow Him to shape and mold us into a healthier response in that grief and trauma.
4: And you've said it a lot, Davey, that don't don't waste your pain. This is an opportunity. Uh, Even whenever you find yourself in an unhealthy mindset and relational habit, this is an invitation to see, oh, Jesus, Jesus is not anxious, disrupted, concerned, disappointed with you. He fully understands who you are. That's right. Uh, You're the one who's coming into understanding of where you're at. So good. Um, But, Uh, this is an invitation to engage with your father.
0: Yeah.
4: Uh, This is not a disqualification of relationship with him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I just finished reading Athanasius on the incarnation and Mm. which is early church father, right? I mean like er, long, long, very ancient book. (laughs) But the idea behind it really, I mean, the whole theme was the necessity of God becoming man, why did that have mm-hmm. to take place so that we have a high priest that can fully empathize with us? Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. practically what that informs us, even as we're talking right now, I'm thinking about this, that no matter if nobody else understands you to the full, no matter if you don't even understand yourself, right? This is yeah. a journey where we can continue to keep understanding who we are. He understands. Yeah. And he yes. knows you. And that's, that's the basis for why our identity yeah. has to be rooted in him.
5: Yep, yes. Absolutely.
4: Right. Oh, it makes me think of, and we speak about this in, uh, in more than your number, but in, I think it's Mark 8, where a man has a child who uh, was demon possessed and throws himself in the fire, and he comes in encounter with Jesus, wanting him to heal his son. And Jesus says, I, I can do all things, but do you believe? And he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Mm. And the fact that this man could come with such ambivalence and Jesus respond to him with kindness and compassion and mercy. I mean, the Bible, uh, the Gospels themselves should demonstrate to us, Jesus wants to be known as a person who is with sufferers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, whenever we are suffering and whatever that means for us, he wants to be present with us. When
0: he's
5: close. Yeah.
0: That's so good. Mm -hmm. Guys, you guys, man, this has been unbelievable. You've been so gracious too with your time and with your wisdom and my goodness. Okay, the most recent book, you've got so many out there, but the most recent one, More Than Your Number, how can we get connected with you guys? How can we get connected with that book? Give us, you know, I know you've got stuff that is readily and available for people to connect with you. What's the best way?
4: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the... the landing page for our book is called your Enneagram profile.com where that's going to come with all kinds of bonuses for the book uh, that'll help you to implement mm-hmm. this new paradigm of how to approach the Enneagram that's a little bit different than what typical Enneagram content is and and the real yeah. goal is that we recognize after the popularity of the Enneagram kind of sp- Peaked, is that the enneagram became much more about descriptions and information and less about transformation yeah. and knowledge wow. doesn't change us yeah, that's um, right. you know that was a phrase that I learned in recovery is that um, discovery is not recovery
0: yeah, that's good.
4: Um, just because you have a label for it doesn't mean that anything changes. Yeah. And so we wanted to look at the Enneagram through something that we've been using uh, through our own therapy. This came out of our own story and uh, Church Hurt that happened in 2015. Um, is what do I do? Like, why is there two parts of me where I feel like a healthier self of A fuller self and a more younger, fearful, ashamed self, the beloved and wounded. Yeah, right. How does that impact... Both of my wings so we do operate out of both and both of my paths these other connecting types and to where like for a type six I see my nineness I call my nine part fill I give names to these parts and it helps us to <laughs> identify <laughs> well, the there's actually on. trauma yeah.
0: therapy that does that as well so yeah. that's well, really
4: that, good that's right it, well it was I mean, so you're picking up on so yeah. uh you've heard of internal family systems yeah, right what we've done is that we've applied internal family systems somewhat for the Enneagram. We've wow. changed a little bit of it, but then applied the, the gospel uh, to which it. Which really so, makes the
5: Enneagram so God, much easier to use. Oh so it, so it clarifies,
4: uh, it simplifies the Enneagram, mm-hmm. and it uh, there's it's actionable. It's yeah. no longer just descriptions of a type. But, okay, whenever I notice that, Phil, this nine part of my heart wants, that wants to shut everything down Mm -hmm. all the anxiety all the thinking the committee that's in my head the fears the tightness in my chest and my gut uh, that wants to shut it all down that's Phil but Phil is also the part of me that stays calm and has emotional balance and warmth and presence Mm -hmm. uh, as a leader so this part of me functions in healthy and unhealthy ways and we offer you know we The tool that we use is called AWARE, and it's just a spiritual practice that can be practiced in the moment. It could be a regular Mm -hmm. spiritual practice in the morning of identifying what's happening inside my interior world, uh, and then how do I apply the gospel to this part of me. Mm
0: -hmm. I can't wait to pick this up. I'm I'm going right now to order it, honestly. And I never say that on a podcast episode, so you guys... That's (laughs) That's <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. Well, love I'm it if you're, serious. No, I, I'm like, man, this
5: Well, because our conversation, even before we, we yeah. hit record, you're you've already been doing yeah. this work. You just didn't have the vocabulary yeah. to and so you're gonna be able to like really utilize the Enneagram now on a on a deeper, yeah. richer level. That's right. Um but yeah, yeah, it's, it's really helped us. I mean, that's why we wrote it because we've been using it
4: for ourselves. Once again, it's the overflow of our own experience and our own yeah, therapeutic work.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. guys, thank you so much. We're going to put all the links right there on the show notes. You guys, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or some other medium, you can access it right there. We'll put it right there on our podcast page if you're watching this on YouTube. But man, Jeff and Beth... You guys, listen, I was excited about this and you didn't disappoint. Thank you so
4: much. <laughs> hey, that's well,
5: awesome. Well, we are thank so delighted you. to be here. Thanks for, for the work you're doing. I mean, I, yeah, the, you've inspired me just on a whole new level of thinking through the Enneagram and grief and trauma and like, it's such a needed work. So thank you.
0: It is. Well, let's have more conversations. I'd love to have you let's guys do. back on and let's talk some more about this. as would be with great. Others. All right, thanks guys.
5: Great, Thanks.
2: Well, I loved that conversation and want to highlight that you can find out more from Jeff and Beth at your dot We didn't get to talk about our numbers, Eric.
3: Yeah, no, we didn't.
2: Let's so tell uh, me let's let's about yourself. The people. What are you? <laughs> so I am an Enneagram four and, uh, I the 4 is kind of the individualist or some some folks like to call the 4 the artist. Mm. And what's interesting about being a 4 is I I had a friend who discovered the Enneagram. I mean, we were young. Like we had We had just graduated undergrad, so we were probably 22 years old. So this is 20-something years ago. So it was before the Enneagram became what it was, and she was like, hey, you need to take this test. And when I found out that I was a four, it was like my whole secret inner world was... On display, like all of a sudden, I was like, <gasps> "I'm known, I'm seen." But it was so good because the Lord really used. I mean, part of the part of the four's kind of shadow side is we tend to have a almost like a fantasy version of ourselves, and then the real version of ourselves, mm-hmm. and we can get into a weird shame space when we think we don't measure up to the to this fantasy version. And and we can also do that with other people and just life in general, and what can happen with the four. On, you know, not their best day is not being thankful, not being content because we're focused on these things we don't have or how we don't measure up or whatever. Fours live in kind of a shame spiral place. But the Lord really used that to bring a lot of healing mm. to my life and a lot of... um really an invitation into sanctification in some of those areas that were a little more private, a little bit darker, and a little just unchrist like and just needed healing, frankly. Like, I mean, you know, Psalm 34, where uh, the scriptures say, those who look to God are radiant, their faces are never covered in shame, kind mm-hmm. of became my like theme verse after that, knowing like, oh man, I, I walk in shame so much, and that's not from God. And some things we need to Feel shameful about to sure. move us to repentance, yep. but some of it was just shame I was heaping on myself. And so this is what's funny, and I don't want to spoil this for you, Eric. But Eric's also a four, and because fours are individualist, we tend to think we're like the only one. So it's always funny. <laughs> yes, it's always funny to be in a room with another four.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I'm a four, but I should tell you, you know, our listeners should know that I'm a very unique four. <laughs> I'm the I'm the only four that is like me. Uh,
2: that's an Enneagram joke. If you don't know yes, that, because fours yeah. think they're very unique Every four and original, and of yeah, yeah. Which
3: is actually, uh, I I don't know if it's unique to fours, but it's definitely something that I've uh, I experienced. You know, you read this, and uh, you know, you take the test, and then you read through the descriptions and say what fits you, and
2: uh-huh. like,
3: well, I I guess I'm a four, but <laughs> they haven't figured me out. You know, like. <laughs> You can't put me in a box. <laughs> and nobody can read about fours and think they understand me. Because <laughs> I'm very complex.
2: <laughs> that's that's a very unique thing. I mean, that's a very specific four thing because I'll often be like you just can't you just won't understand me unless you like really get to know the authentic
3: <laughs> yeah And i will have other enneagram numbers that like you know people who are really into it be like oh of course you're like this because you're a four no this no i'm
2: not <laughs>
3: this <laughs> doesn't have anything to do with me being four and you don't understand my experience at all <laughs> and now i need to go cry <laughs>
2: I hope there are other fours listing that can laugh at this because all of this is so true about how we're we way too we're way too in our heads about things <laughs> it's so true but it,
3: it has been helpful to me yeah. you know like my my sister-in-law is very into the Enneagram and mm-hmm. uh, so she, I think how I got introduced was she had us at like Thanksgiving all the family members like we took the test and read about it and then discussed oh, our fun. numbers and all that yeah it was fun and it was good to see the differences between me and my brothers and um, yeah. and then to read like it's it's kind of eerie how you know my wife is a nine she's a peacemaker okay and um and and she's not really into all of her feelings and processing Uh stuff you know and all that and so yep and i'm like we need to unpack (laughs) everything (laughs) about this (laughs) and um and it's and then even looking at our kids where we think they fall Uh and going like uh-huh. Oh, here's why these yeah. don't get along, and yeah. um, it's been good to go. There is a little method to the madness, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to understand why, like what's good, of, you know, like what's good about this, you know, mm-hmm. like where I can think this is, this is a liability that hurts mm-hmm. other people and you know makes me useless in the world, mm-hmm. as opposed to this is a strength. And yeah. if if everybody was a four, the world would be a worse place. But right. if there were no fours, mm-hmm. uh, the world would also be a worse place. Yeah. Yep. Um and then learning your weaknesses, you know, like mm-hmm. um there I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like you get the feeling sometimes from people that like, I don't sin because I have my number. Like anything I do wrong, I could be like, well, this is just because I'm a four.
2: Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like it's
3: an excuse now
2: Uh to
3: not be mature.
2: (laughs) Right. To not grow.
3: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yep. That is really funny. Like, because the whole point I think of self-awareness really is, is to move us towards Christ-likeness, right? So, mm-hmm. so, if you're using your sort of self-awareness in your number as an excuse just to be like, no, I don't do that, or I do that because I'm a four, instead of like, no, I do that because I'm a sinner. <laughs> you yes, <know>? yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're probably not using but a very unique grammar, right? kind of sinner. <laughs> <laughs> very special <laughs> sinner that no one yes. can relate to. Yeah, I, except for other, Jesus. The other thing I appreciate about... Um, about just the Enneagram especially is like you were talking about, you now know your wife is a nine, a peacemaker. I know my husband is a seven, so he's an entrepreneur kind of adventurer guy and who who also lives more in like the gut space and not as much the mm-hmm. feeling space. And so just to even have that language now, we yeah. can say of each other, oh, Okay, I'm having a very seven, he can say, I'm having a very seven day right now, or this Mm -hmm. is very seven of me, but, and I can go, this is very four of me, but, and it just gives you some, I think, language that even helps with compassion towards other people. Mm -hmm. Once you know their numbers, you're kind of like able to, again, you don't want to pigeonhole or categorize anybody, but I I think it can breed compassion.
3: Yeah, it can, and patience to go, this is this part of their number coming out. Mm -hmm. They, this is how they process things. This is Mm -hmm. how they experience things. And I can love them by allowing that, honoring that, seeing that, and not having to force them to experience it my way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It it even gets into, I don't know if you experienced this, like what, like that, even just what we enjoy doing and Mm. how we enjoy interacting. Like, even on books, uh, the books I like to read are like, marilyn robinson and wendell berry and right? like it's this internal life of people in a community where nothing actually happens in the book <laughs>
2: i feel so seen right now yeah <laughs>
3: and jenny jenny's like i know like yeah give me like, a story
2: give me she's a story like,
3: nothing <laughs> happened it's just about like what's going on in their head or whatever and i'm like yes that is what life That's is
2: the treasure and the beauty is yeah. right there an unexamined oh. life is
3: not worth living like
2: <laughs>
3: how can people just progress through life doing stuff without
2: oh so funny. without considering it. it and and yeah. making art from it or something yeah it's so true do you of feel like go ahead
3: I was just gonna say, of course, if everybody did that, nothing would get done in the world.
2: Nothing would ever get you know? done. Nothing would. Ever, this is why we need like Davy as a three, and so we need yes. threes to push us forward. Do um, do you feel like knowing, and we can take this out of Enneagram, but because we are talking about the Enneagram, knowing that you are a four, how does that impact your ministry, your work, especially in like trauma and pain?
3: Mm, yeah. Well, I think the benefit of it is is. Um, especially since I've been, I tried to be a different number for a long time. Interesting, uh, and so understanding how I was created, um, that's how God designed me, gave me permission to be to really dive into those ways of experiencing things that I want to, yeah. And so it helped me come to understand my heart and my mind and my emotions, mm. I think. Better. I'm not going to say really, really well, because I'm still yeah. learning that, but better. And it helped me understand what questions to ask myself and mm-hmm. why I was experiencing things. So I think as a pastor doing pastoral counseling, it's helped me to be able to empathize with people and mm-hmm. and help lead them through what maybe they've never processed before. Yeah. And so, um, okay. but then also knowing my weakness of like, I want to sit in those feelings and experience all the feels. Like, you know, sometimes we need to do something. And yeah. <laughs> so yep. Yep. working with a team of people who are different numbers, like when they're saying, uh, hey, we need to stand up now and yeah. like move forward with the decision, I I can realize like, oh, thank God there's people like that.
2: Because they'll, like, they'll move me forward a little yes. bit. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one thing that is beautiful. The Enneagram and community, especially on teams, it yeah. helps us kind of balance each other out and yeah. do the work that God has called us to do. Yeah, like,
3: we need captains <laughs> on the ship going like,
2: yeah. yes. you know, full
3: speed ahead. Because like, I, I feel like as a four, I'm like the anchor yep. that like is dragging everybody else <laughs> in relationships. <laughs> you know, like... We're forcing people to go slow and look at the scenery.
2: (laughs) We're forcing... We are. We're forcing them to... But I like... Not dragging. You like want them to to see the depths of things. Yes.
3: But it feels like they're dragging us along. Like we're... (laughs) Yeah, They'd be you, in port already.
2: <laughs> they wouldn't be if it weren't for us. They if would already like, be but there. But manatees!
3: Look at the manatees.
2: <laughs> They'd be on their next trip. They're like already yes. like seven years down the road on their next trip, and we're like, "Yeah, but look, but look over there yeah. for a little bit longer. Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? Let's consider And they're like, "This, this. <laughs> is just
3: a ferry boat ride across the river." Like we.
2: Just,
3: <laughs> no, there's a so hundred life lessons.
2: <laughs> There's so much to explore here. Oh well, we could talk about this forever, but we would encourage you to find out your enneagram number if you haven't, or do some. You know, there's all there's strength finders, and there's whatever. There's some other typology tests, but particularly. With Beth and Jeff McCord in mind would love to invite you to check out their book more than your number find out your number if you don't know it as really like what we've been talking about just as a tool to help you become more and more like Jesus and to help you have compassion when it comes to relationship with other people Uh, we also have lots of resources for you If you go to our website, nothingiswasted.com slash community, we have our community platform there and our community plus there where we want to gather with other people who are on their own pain journeys and together find out what our purpose is in our pain, what God's purpose is for us in our pain. So we'd love again to invite you to go to our website. Nothingiswasted.com. We want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We want to invite you to be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube. That helps the word spread about what God is doing here at Nothing Is Wasted. And we love engaging with you on social media. You can follow us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries on Instagram, at Davey Blackburn, at ObSamp. And you can follow Eric.
3: At EM Shoemaker.
2: We have an incredible episode for you next week, so let's go ahead and take a listen to part of that.
1: As I'm driving back, I'm realizing, wow, this it, it, this is like one of the lowest moments of my life because uh, this just hurts mm. so bad. and And how do we... You know yeah. uh, how um, how do we get through this? so you know we're all emotionally fragile frazzled at this moment when Jeff is like, "I'm not yeah. going to Jesus camp uh, just a couple of days later, and um our daughter's boyfriend talks him into it and basically says, "You know, hey, just do it to make him happy." You know, I mean, just, uh, you know, you can do anything for a few days. And he was this Iraq War veteran, so he had, you know, this this good perspective. Yeah. And um, so Jeff goes, and uh, eventually, you know, he's he's in with this group. And Jeff, you've summed it up before: uh, this group of people who. Basically their approach was, dude, just come to Jesus, we'll figure the rest out later. And <laughs> there, there there was a spirit yeah. about them that I think I had been trying to communicate uh, to my son in terms of it, knowing Jesus is just such a good thing, but he was, you know how that is. You know, you, you say something over and over again. And of course, you know, there were times where I preached yeah. a lot of sermons to Jeff that I, I really shouldn't have because they were harsh and, and in anger. And um, mm. yet, here's this, uh, suddenly he, he starts to see it. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hook before, but uh, you know, parents who have mm-hmm. addicts can relate to this. You know, here's this this Peter Pan, uh, character, um, you know, and nobody recognizes him back in Neverland until this little boy kind of takes his yeah. face in his hands and reshapes it and yeah. says, oh, there you are, Peter. And that was what we started yeah. to see with our son. Yeah. When you'd go through rehab, uh, it was like, oh, there you are, there you are. You know, the, these substances are losing their effect and there's the, there's the the boy that we loved and raised, and there you are.